Okay, g'day Millsy, how are you mate? Not so bad Mick, how are you? It's been a while mate, how many months now? At least two. Well, enough to say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year in Australia Day. <laughs> <laughs> to you too mate, hope you had a good time over the festive period with family and friends. Think I did. Yeah, we're back into it now, 23 has started. We are, and speaking of starting, who have we got to start this year for? We've got a mate? very special guest, uh, Arado's Claims Manager, Steadfast, Cindy Meadows. Welcome. Thank you, nice to be here. Yeah, great. Thanks. Other than the humidity. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a hot week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm certainly feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so firstly, did you um have a good pretty New Year's? Yes. Four weeks away in Europe. Yeah. Very relaxing. Back on deck. And you were saying it was a holiday that's just uh, fairly overdue. Very much overdue, yeah. Prior to this sort of, the holidays we've had this year have been... HIH collapse was the last one. Wow, wow. So long time between holidays. Yeah. Very well deserved. Well, if I'm um, if I'm smart enough, I'm going to try and get that into the conversation later. Just the whole work life balance. Yes. <laughs> I do. We always try and in incorporate a bit of well being into our podcast, though. We might yeah, have... all sorts of other <laughs> <laughs> Um. Okay. So for this is a bit of a rare one. So. I guess the more reps who don't actually speak to you, I guess that's... That's probably <laughs> good thing. And most of them won't admit to having spoken to me. <laughs> but um, are you able to give us the 20-second uh, you know, intro to who you are and then we'll... Um... Okay, so I am the Arado Claims Manager. I've been doing claims for Robert Kelly for... Must be 16 years now, about 14 years this year, or November last year would have been 14 years in-house, and then I did a couple of years at DLA Phillips Fox yep. when the claims were outsourced at the very beginning of the scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's fair to say you've got a fair bit of experience. I've done a few broker claims in my time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm all about dumb questions. I do them 10 times a day, so... Can you give me the 101 intro and summary of Arado? So Arado was, it's essentially Robert Kelly's baby. He decided that he wanted to have all our shareholders. He weren't shareholders back then, but in the beginning, he wanted all the members to have access to appropriate insurance. So we've got $100 million worth of cover from ground up. Um, and it's underwritten through a number of different layers and insurers with Swiss Re being our primary insurer. And one of the key benefits of it is that we have a claims management agreement to manage our own claims, yeah, well. which is really good. It means that we drive and direct the management of our claims and how we want them seen in the market. Yeah. So it's probably one of the, you know, I've worked at HRH, FAI, Marsh, Aon, um, and this scheme is amazing. And yeah. The response time and what we do is incredible. Some of the stuff that we've done is really good. So having that control um, or yeah, guidance over how claims are managed, um, is that fairly unique in the market? I think it is, yes. Yeah. I think I, you know, I give credit to our security Swiss Re. So we have quarterly claims meetings where we have um, representatives from Swiss Re, we have Robert, myself, and then our panel lawyers come in and we talk through our major claims or claims with issues or things like when the floods were on, we talk through flood claims. Um, and we have a really good relationship with Swiss Re. Yeah. They're really on board with the way that we manage things and do things. Yeah. Which is good. 
Thanks. I, I, I like the yeah. Arado for dummies. Cindy, <laughs> <laughs> how um since the introduction of AFCA, like how have you seen it uh, change compared to FOS to AFCA now? Oh, FOS. Um, I always say that. With FOS, we used to get a complaint in and you could pull in a breaking file and prepare a submission and put your attaching documents and send that in. And you would pretty well know from your submissions and your review of the file where it was going to go. Um, we had a really good feel for it. Yes, no, we knew which ones to settle early. Um, and the fees would come in quite low, around 3300 Um, AFCA, that's completely changed, completely changed. I think AFCA has... Um, become a presence in the market. They've actively encouraged people to engage in the process with them. Um, it's been a lot more expensive. That changed one July last year where we get a bit of leeway, yep. where we get the five free claims a year. But in terms of what we have to give to them, the submissions, you know, some we might have to do 10 submissions, depending on what the issues right. are. So if a client comes back and says, X and Y, we need to prove Z. Yeah. And in some instances, we've literally had to act as detectives to disprove something that somebody said to AFCA. Yeah. We're also, you're just not sure sometimes. Yeah. It's not, you, you can't rely on the paperwork as much because there have been a few decisions that we just, you just don't see coming. Yeah. So, yeah, Is we it... have a group approach to AFCA claims as well. So we're trying to look at it as a whole steadfast group, not yeah. just individual brokerages, but how we also want to be perceived in the market. Yeah. So just on that then, um, is it something as simple to say that um, the client has to prove what was done or that no. Arata has to disprove? No, no. So this is where we're going to get down to and you're going to say, how do we stop claims from coming through and how do you defend them? You have to have a good broking file. So if a client says that I gave you instructions to do X, Y and Z and you don't have file notes to document that, it's really hard for us to defend you. Yep. So you might say, well, I spoke to the client on the phone and blah, 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 blah. If you don't have contemporaneous notes, it's really difficult. Yeah. It's like nine times out of ten, they're likely to take the consumer's evidence rather than ours. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's a... Well, it's holding, I guess, in a, I guess their strategy is, is that they're holding you to the standard. So mm. they believe that you need to have good files. Yeah, yeah, which which is true. You do need to have good files as part of your. Yeah, if you're arguing that at this point in the industry, in in, in the yeah, in your career, then um, it's worthwhile reassessing how you do a file. Yeah, actually, I still get people say to me, "I don't have time to do file notes," which is extremely disappointing. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to be diplomatic, but anyone said to me that they didn't have time for file notes. I put my license hat on and say you need to check it out. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably Robert's point of view as well. Um, if you're not keeping proper files, then you're not compliant with your license conditions. Yeah, and and obviously from our point of view, like we have one license across hundred plus offices. Yes, we need to protect that. Yes, as much as possible for the other ninety nine as well. So absolutely. Yeah, um, Cindy. Like over the last few years, do, have you do you feel Brokers' files getting better or still same or still work in progress? Improvements need, needed? 
No, I think I'm going to say that when everybody always approaches me and says, what are the trends in claims? And unfortunately, they're always the same common issues. Um, there's a lack of cover in place. So does that come down to the fact that the broker didn't do their job properly or didn't keep enough documentary evidence of what they were asked to do? So unfortunately, in most cases, um, when I get files through, they're not adequate. Yeah. You know, so there's a, there's a lack of cover and also a lack of recorded yes, advice. Yeah. yeah. Robert and I have been talking a lot lately too about 101 broken claims. I call them broken 101 things that I just think, come on, this is stuff. I, I remember when I started, I worked for Russell at FAI and I was, he's, I used to type up the policy schedules for the PI. He would, at the end, we would have to sit there with the policy schedule that we'd typed and the closing and use a lead pencil to tick off to make sure everything was absolutely accurate. And there's that lack of attention to detail. We're not cross-checking to making sure what I've put in place is what was actually asked for. The renewals come down the line, but have I then checked that nothing's fallen off the renewal? So, for instance, on an ML policy, I've seen one where they took the crime cover off for some reason, but the broker didn't pick it up because he didn't do that quick check. Yeah. yeah. Um, just very briefly, for those young people who aren't aware, a lead pencil is this ancient tool that, that we use to communicate. Um, <laughs> what we were talking about. So. <laughs> I used to type on a typewriter. <laughs> Showing my age. <laughs> um, what's the most common complaints against brokers themselves that you're seeing? In Africa, you have uh, you have probably a string. You have non-disclosure claims. So a claim's been denied, and I'd be amazed at how many of these I see a year for specifically mostly cars, um, non-disclosure of driving history or suspensions. I'm amazed at how many of those I get a year, five or more. Um, so, and then we, you know, we need to rely on documented evidence. In most cases, I'm doing okay on those. Um, insufficient insurance. Um, and I've seen a few coming through lately in relation to delays on claims. Uh, before you get to delays then, so when you say insufficient, are you saying not the sum? There's a gap in cover. Yep. So a great big gap and it's not addressed on the broken file um, that that cover should have been put in place. So what it comes down to is there's two type of scenarios I'll put it into. One is you pick a client up and you just go and throw the cover in place based off the previous policy schedule and there's no risk analysis done. Yeah. No actual undertaking a look at what is this business, what do they do, yeah. what do they need? And the second one is a new business coming in and again, there's no documented risk analysis. Yeah. So you might have in place a business pack policy, but there might be, say, EPL missing or something like that. And you might say, oh, well, I talked about it and they never wanted that. Cyber's another one. Oh, no, they would never have paid for cyber. Yeah, yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I was talking to one of our lawyers this morning and we're almost at a situation now where we're saying what the brokers need to be doing is really clearly pointing out to clients, I have not quoted you or I have not considered these types of risks because you've told me not to. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. So point out what you're not doing as well as what you are doing. That's yeah. right. 
Yeah, oh, well, we've actually got some brokers actually sort of do that with their covering email yeah. and page, and they actually have a tick box. We have not discussed. Oh, sorry, we've discussed this, and you didn't want to go ahead, but due to these reasons, Perfect. and a tick box, and actually got the client to sign and date that, those yeah. pages as well. Yeah. So I think that's pretty thorough and really you know, sort of apt at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, Sloney, uh, Steve Sloan, um, who's running our digital digital arm, has a CRM in place now where we're still fine tuning it, but he has the algorithm to say, well, these are all the uninsured risks uh, yeah. mostly relevant for your industry, which is it's fairly standard across the most. Um, so aside from step one is doing what you just said, you know, these are the uninsured risks that you chose not to have for these reasons. But then step two is mm -hmm. to contact that client at the review stage, renewal, halfway yeah. through the year, whatever, and just keep like telling them what these covers are. Absolutely. And I think... The premise of it is thinking about yourself as your job is to give advice. You are there to, you're not a risk manager per se, but your job is to reduce the risk for clients. You, I saw something a couple of months ago where a broker had sent a quote to a client for some commercial properties and given them, you know, a table which said, these are the quotes that came in from the insurers, I recommend to take this one. But it didn't clearly point out which policy covered flood and which didn't. That's not giving advice. Yeah, yeah. Sending PDSs and saying, here's what the premiums were and here's all the PDSs, that's not giving advice. That's that's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that I've sort of seen over the last couple of years is where the, the broker has a tick box and Mick and I are pretty strong on this with cyber and ML. Um, mm. And they may have discussed it four or five years ago, but they think because of the client's answer back then, they still maintain that sort of Absolutely. Um, attitude for ML and cyber. But, you know, it's a yearly contract with the services we provide to the client need to be discussed every year. And I would, I'm sure Robert did some podcasts back when we did the flood claims and thing, and that is one of the key lessons that came out of the 2010-11 floods up here in Brisbane. Yeah. A lot of the claims that we paid... Flood cover may have been offered five or six years ago, but it was too expensive, so they didn't want it. But they never revisited it. Yeah. So it was very, very hard to mount a defence against it. That's right. Yeah. And AFCA did, well, back then I think it was, but back then it was FOSS, but the FOSS findings were, if you didn't go and specifically ask them again, then you weren't doing your job properly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, our industry get caught in, okay, so, yeah, you, Cindy, you're running a cafe. Here's your business pack renewal. Yes. But that's not holistic in any way at all. No, it's that's not. a product offering. That's, you know, where's your ML? You have landlords, uh, investment properties. Do you have Absolutely. Everything. And even, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if Oshaw can do this for the network or whatever, but even when you're offering those covers, you know, some classic examples. Yeah. This is the type of cover and this is why you might want it. Yeah. And, you know, we can do a quote for you. You know, just send us an email. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. We introduced um, in management liability flyer, which I personally hate the term management liability. I don't yeah. think it connects with the clients, especially for our micro-SME clients. So we stripped out all the terminology, had layman's explanations of the sections, claims mm -hmm. examples, and a matrix of pricing, which is indicative only. Yeah, perfect. Um, so it, I would have liked it to have increased more of the uptake, but it may be like a two or three year journey for the clients just to Absolutely. keep understanding it. Yeah. It's a bit like the old flood cover, isn't it? You yeah. know, they didn't want it, but I think people are really thinking now that sometimes you have to pay for it. Yeah. Even though it's so hard to get. And that, yeah, that's the thing I've sort of noticed recently actually where on personal lines there's some insurers that may not offer it 
um, as automatic. So Absolutely. they can be opt in. So us as brokers have to actually give the no flood cover plus also the flood option as well. You can't just say, oh, I don't want flood, I want to get flooded. Because um, we certainly see it in claims disputes between flood and storm damage. Do we want to go down that track? You've got to offer that flood option. Absolutely. It's a major risk, it's, yeah. uh, you know, given what we've been through in the last 10 years with storms, fires yeah. and things like that. If there's a major risk missing, um, and you're offering a range of quotes, you really need to identify between them yeah. what the differences are. I mean, yeah. just saying, here's a group of insurers and these are the premiums, the client's just going to go for the cheapest one. Yeah, yeah. So that's not an informed decision, I don't think. Yeah. And what's the difference between doing that than just going and getting the quotes online direct yourself? Yeah. That's, yeah. 100%. Yes. So, so, so since APCA's come on board, that's what, how many years ago now? About three or four? Yeah, I'm thinking a bit more than that, maybe okay. five. five. Yeah. Um, are you seeing more frivolous sort of claims coming from? Oh. Yeah. Yes, unfortunately. So, yes, that is the downside of it. We are seeing a lot of frivolous claims. It's free. Yeah. I've had brokers tell me that they've seen AFCA in shopping centres talking to people. Um, so it is free. But I, I do think, and you know, it shouldn't be an AFCA beating up session because I actually believe in AFCA. I yeah. like it as a forum for resolving complaints. Yeah. I think it's good for consumers to be able to go there and get resolution. And if something has gone wrong and wasn't done, then they deserve to have it fixed and fixed as quickly as possible. The problem is, is that we're seeing really frivolous stuff. Yeah. So where people know that they weren't covered or, um, you know, we had one took months and months and months to resolve and a lot of money in legal fees. He knew that he wasn't covered, but he put it through to an AFCA complaint. Um, so that is the downside. In response to that, AFCA did put in those changes where the fee structure was changed. So you get your five free complaints now, which is helpful because the cost of responding to AFCA complaints versus FOSS complaints is astronomical. Yeah. If we yeah. have to do 10 submissions and we've got lawyers doing it, um, it can get really expensive. So what's the average cost we're talking about? Well, so AFCA fees went from around, I would say the average fees with FOSS were around about the 3,300 yeah. mark. For a basic complaint in AFCA with only a few submissions, it was about 8,800. But when you got up to complex where there was technical issues and a lot of submissions, 13,000 plus in legal fees. Yeah, I've gone from probably putting a five, 10K reserve on to I've spent up to $60,000 defending an AFCA complaint. Wow. So, you know, I think it's one of the reasons we have a really, uh, we've had this from day dot. It's been Robert's thing and it's carried through with me. It's really important is when you notify, you have to give us the full files, not what you think we need. We need the full yep. file set so that we can look. Because if we've done something wrong, then we need to be able to fix it yep. for you. But if you send me six pieces of paper and think that I can fix it for you, I can't. I need yep. the full files. I need it to be able to respond to AFCA properly. I yep. need to be able to give complete submissions. But we also then use it for training and understanding what's going on or if there's gaps in policies. You know, quite often I'll work with triage on issues. Sometimes brokers send me things as errato claims and I say, hold on a second, let's go to triage on this. Yeah. Triage can help you with this. I think that's actually an insurer issue. Yeah. Let's work and fix it together. So yeah. full files yeah. is the most important thing and as quickly as you possibly can. Cindy, when you say full file, so let's say there's a home and contents policy has been with the broker since 
2014. Do you mean the whole back to 2014? In most cases, I will say yes, but I I appreciate that that's a lot of work sometimes. So in certain circumstances, I can pull it back. So for instance, if you said policy's been with me since 2014, but the cover for jewellery dropped off in this year, I might pull it back to that far. But when I say full files, I mean, essentially, I want to be in a position where it's like I'm sitting in your office and I have access to everything, your file notes, records of phone conversations, invoicing, the whole works. It gives us a really good picture to be able to determine liability early. And that's the beauty of this scheme. That's what you want. You want us to determine it straight away. Yeah. yeah. So when you're saying receiving the file, again, a one-on-one dummy question, is it just giving you access to the task in Insight or is it actually getting you the file in a way that you can... If you're able to give me access into your system, I'm happy to do that. And I've got an amazing assistant now, Bella, and she'll pull down what we need. But also Bella has worked with our IT to develop a system where you can just drag and drop over into it. So I'm sure she would have a folder set up for you guys and then she can just set it up so you can drag and drop everything into it. So no more sending me emails with emails inside emails inside. And you can just drag your files over, which makes it a lot quicker process. Sure. Um, I think part of that as well is what you've been talking about, Millsy, for the last several years is from an underwriting point of view, we want brokers to submit it to an underwriter on a silver platter, not to say... G'day, Barry, attached to 20 attachments, let us know what terms you can give us. Yeah. And I've seen files that's come through, um, that's that's gone through to you as well, and I'd like to say I've blocked most of them, but I haven't. But I've gone back to the broker to say, mate, that's going to take me about a six-pack of beer and a weekend. Yeah. Long six-pack. <laughs> yeah. I want to know the high-level summary. I want to know your thoughts. Yeah. And then itemise it a little bit. Absolutely. And don't war and piece it in the email. Give me your... A high-level synopsis is amazing. Yeah. 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 This is my client. I've had them for this long. They asked me to do this. This was done. In saying that, what we need to do is when you're sending stuff internally, I want you all to remember anything that you put in writing is discoverable. So sometimes a phone call is better. So I had one recently for a really, really, really large claim a really large flood issue, and an internal review was done on the file, and the compliance person said internally, and, you know, just talking as they do, we've really stuffed up on this. That document is discoverable. I've also had cases where brokers have gone, oh, shit, I haven't put, excuse me, I haven't put (laughs) this in place, and they've then written to the insurer and made a complete admission that they've stuffed up. And I've just settled one where those emails were discoverable to the legal aid lawyer. So falling on your sword, in most cases now I'm finding that the insurers will not do ex gratia. Yeah. So I would oh, strongly yes. recommend you don't do it. It is not worth going to the insurer. There's another thing I'm seeing lately. I'm seeing declines come through from insurers where there's maybe issues around disclosure or what's been put in place. And the insurers are asking for statements from the broker and access to documents. Got some privacy issues there. You need client's permission to do that. I've also seen resulting from that insurers writing letters of denial that say, well, the broker had this information, didn't give it to us. So therefore we're declining. So using the information 
and putting it in the actual denial letter and essentially firing a gun on the broker. Yeah. So we need to just think about what we're putting out there. Yeah. And if you're not sure, just pick up the phone. You can call me anytime. Yeah. I'll tell you what, um, we've got plenty more to talk to. <laughs> can, can, we, um, can we get you back part two for this one? Go for it. <laughs> this is going to be like one of those 80s sitcoms where <laughs> you're looking at the watch, it's like, but you can't wrap this plot up by now. <laughs> be continued. Cool. Thank you. Wow. Thanks, yeah. Andy. Thank you. This has been great. Right.